ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد then to continue with al-aqidah tahawiyya the creed compiled by Imam Abu Ja'far al-Tahawi, rahimahullah, with the explanation of Sheikh Salih al-Fawzan, hafidhahullah, then we reached point number 188, where al-Tahawi, And there is benefit for those who are dead in the living making supplication and their giving in charity. So he said, and there is benefit for those who are dead in the living people making supplication. and in their giving in charity. Shaykh al-Fawzan said in his explanation, this is a matter of fiqh and it is connected to aqidah. In origin, it's a matter of fiqh, of the details of the practice of, of Islam. However, it has a connection to aqidah, to creed and belief. He said, He, alayhi salatu wassalam, said, إِذَا مَا تَبْنُ آدَمًا قَطَعَ عَمَلُهُ إِلَّا مِنْ ثَلَاثِ صَدَقَةٍ جَارِيَةٍ أو عِلْمٍ يُنْتَفَعُ بِهِ أو وَلَدٍ صَالِحٍ يَدْعُوا لَهُ that he, alayhi salatu wassalam, said, when the son of Adam dies, his actions are cut off, except for three, a continuing charity, or some knowledge from which benefit is derived, or a righteous child who makes supplication for him. The hadith, as I mentioned in a footnote, being reported by Muslim. And it's from a hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu. <coughs> and also reported by others, Abu Dawud at Tirmidhi and Nasai and others. With the wording, Ida mat al insanu, when a person dies, to the end of the hadith. Then his actions are cut off, except for three, a continuing charity, some knowledge from which benefit is derived, or a righteous child who makes dua for him. Sheikh Fawzan said, So the servant's actions are cut off by his death, except for that 
which he was a cause for its remaining after his death. I mean, all his actions are cut off, they cease. The reward ceases amounting for him. Except those things which he was a cause of, their remaining after his death. Then he gives some examples, such as a continuing charity, like his giving a waqf, like his giving a waqf, like his giving an endowment to fund a mosque or a school where people learn. So for as long as it continues to be of benefit, then its reward will continue for him. For as long as this endowment continues. In other words, he set aside some money, but after his death, this money should be put into a fund to fund a school or fund a mosque. And as long as that continues to benefit, then reward will continue to be written for him even after his death. And Sheikh Fawzan comments upon the phrase in the hadith, our ilmin, the second part, the second part of the hadith, our ilm, or some knowledge. Sheikh Fawzan said, obviously referring to the deceased person, such that he taught fiqh, Islamic knowledge, or aqidah, or the creed and belief. And he had students. So the reward of his teaching continues for him. Or that he wrote books which are of benefit to the people. Then its reward continues. So this is from the knowledge which he taught. In other words, he directly taught with students or he wrote books, which is, amounts to the same thing. And he mentions the third phrase of the hadith, awaladin salihin yad'u lahu, or a righteous child who makes supplication for him. Sheikh al-Fawzan said, so he got married in order to preserve his chastity and to seek righteous offspring. And then there came to him a righteous child. He had a righteous child. So this is something which he was a cause of. He, alayhi salatu wassalam, said, Inna atyaba ma akeltum min kasbikum wa inna awladakum min kasbikum. He gives the evidence. He said, he, alayhi salatu wassalam, said, the purest of that which you eat is what comes from your own earning. And your children are from your earnings. The hadith being re reported, as they mentioned in a footnote, by Abu Dawood and at Tirmidhi,
And at Tirmidhi said, the hadith is Hassan, Sahih, good, authentic. And it's from a hadith of Aisha, radiallahu anha. Shaykh al-Fawzan said, so if he is righteous, meaning if, if the child is righteous, then he will make dua, he will make supplication for you. He will make supplication for him after his death. Then his supplication will reach him. I mean the reward that comes about through his supplication, it will reach the deceased. And this is from his deeds, it's from the deeds of the deceased, which he was a cause of. So the actions of this other person will benefit him. In other words, even though the son or the daughter, they are somebody else than the deceased. However, they are a product of the person's earning. So therefore he derives benefit from thus making supplication for him. And some of the, just as a side point, some of the people of knowledge, they mention that that refers to the, all, the, all the different actions which the righteous child perform. And that du'a, supplication was mentioned just as an encouragement upon that. So it's not restricted to just his making du'a. Allahu alam. Then Shaykh al-Fawzan said, and whatever is besides this is the subject of disagreement. I mean, other matters with regard to a person, a deceased person benefiting from other matters other than the three mentioned in the hadith here. And then Shaykh al-Fawzan, he mentions the, the ayah, which is the general rule in this regard. He said, he, the one free of all imperfections, said, وَأَنَّ لَيْسَ لِلْإِنسَانِ إِلَّا مَا سَعَى And a person will not receive this ayah from Surah Al-Najm, the 53rd surah, ayah 39, with the explanation, and a person will not receive reward except for his own deeds. Or that a person will not receive except what he himself worked for. Sheikh al-Fawzan said, so what is directly stated in the ayah is that the deeds of a person will not benefit anyone besides him. In his own actions, they won't benefit someone else. Except for that which he is a cause of. Unless he is direct cause of that other person's actions. Then Sheikh al-Fawzan went on to mention the differing of the people in that regard. He said, so a group of the scholars, they take hold of this ayah and said, nothing whatsoever will benefit him except for his own deeds. And some people of knowledge, they take this ayah and they stop 
with what they understand from the ayah. And they say, therefore, a person, no person's deeds will benefit anybody else. They'll only benefit himself. The only the person who does the deeds will benefit from the deeds. Shaykh Fawzan said, however, the Prophet wasallam informed of certain things which can benefit the deceased from the actions of others. You know, in other words, that this saying of those people who say that no actions of, of a person benefit the, anyone else whatsoever, this is not this is not correct. He said because the Prophet ﷺ informed of certain things which can benefit the deceased, which are from the actions of others, such as a du'a supplication and al istighfar seeking forgiveness. And he gives an evidence of that. رَبَّنَا اغْفِرْ لَنَا وَلِإِخْوَانِنَا الَّذِينَ سَبَقُونَا بِالْإِيمَانِ Surah Al-Hashr, the 59th Surah, Ayah 10. The Ayah in the context of the supplication that's made by the believers with the explanation that they say, O oh, our Lord, forgive us and our brothers who preceded us in Iman. And he quotes the second ayah as evidence, وَاسْتَغْفِرُ لِذَنْبِكَ وَلِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ Surah Muhammad, the 47th Surah, Ayah 19. With the explanation, And seek forgiveness for your sin, and for the believing men, and for the believing women. Sheikh Fawzan said, And this includes the dead also. When we, when we make supplication for the believers, the men and the women from them, as we should, then it includes the living believers and those who have passed away before. So this is an action that benefits the deceased and it's not from their own personal actions. Likewise, he quotes a further evidence. He said, And the Prophet ﷺ commanded the Muslims when they had buried their brother, that they should stand over his grave and seek forgiveness for him and ask that he be granted firmness. In a footnote, they mention the evidence, so from Uthman radiallahu anhu, that Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Istaghfiru li akhikum wa salu lahu tathbeet. فَإِنَّهُ الْآنَ يُسْأَلْ From Uthman radiallahu anhu that Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Seek forgiveness for your brother and ask that he be granted firmness for he is now about to be questioned reported by Abu Dawood and Al-Hakim and Al-Hakim said this hadith is authentic. And it was declared sahih, authentic by Shaykh al-Albani. As was the previous hadith. I don't know if I mentioned I can't remember if I mentioned the previous hadith. Likewise declared sahih, authentic by Shaykh al-Albani. In the previous hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, that the purest of that which you eat is what comes from your own earning. 
and your children are from your earnings. That was declared Sahih, authentic by Shaykh al-Albani as well. And likewise, this hadith here, hadith of Uthman, that the Prophet said after the burial of one of the companions, seek forgiveness for your brother and ask for firmness for him, for he is now about to be questioned. Reported by Abu Dawud and Al-Hakim and declared Sahih, authentic by Shaykh al-Albani. Then Shaykh al-Fawzan mentions a further evidence, means something else which the Prophet made clear would be of benefit to the deceased. An action of someone else other than him that will benefit him. So he said, and likewise a sadaqah, giving in charity, benefits the deceased. Giving in charity benefits the deceased. And he quotes the evidence. A man came to the Prophet ﷺ and he informed that his mother had died and that if she had spoken, she would have given in charity. So he said, may I give, give in charity on her behalf. So he ﷺ said, na'am, yes. In a footnote they mention, reported by al-Bukhari as hadith 2760 and by Muslim. And it's from a hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha. So in other words, it's a direct proof that charity, that child giving charity on behalf of his parents will benefit the deceased parents. Then Shaykh al-Fawzan said, and likewise the hajj. can benefit someone else as occurs in the evidences as occurs in the hadith of Shubruma where he alayhi salatu wassalam said hujja an nafsik thumma hujja an shubruma where he alayhi salatu wassalam said perform hajj for yourself and then perform hajj for shubruma in a footnote, they mention this hadith is reported by Abu Dawood and Ibn Majah and Ibn Khuzayma and declared Sahih, authentic by Shaykh al-Albani. And just to mention, as a side point, just to mention the wording of the hadith, then the wording as reported by Abu Dawood is with his chain of narration which goes back to Abu Razin, a man of Banu Amir, radiallahu anhu. Or rather, to correct that, that's a different hadith. Rather, it's a hadith of Abu Dawood. It's a hadith of Abu Dawood from Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhumah, that the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, heard a man saying, labbayka an shubruma. I mean, the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when performing hajj, going to perform hajj, he heard someone saying, labbayka here I am performing Hajj on behalf of Shubruma. So the Prophet said, Man Shubruma, who is Shubruma? So the man said, He is a brother of mine. Or he said, He is a close relative of mine. So the Prophet said, 
Hajjajta an nafsik? Have you performed Hajj for yourself? So he said, No. So he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, Hujja an nafsik, thumma hujja an shubruma. Perform Hajj for yourself and then perform Hajj for shubruma. Shaykh Fawzan said, so this is an action for someone else which can benefit the deceased. Then he mentions another evidence for this same matter. He said, and likewise when a woman came asking the Prophet ﷺ about performing hajj on behalf of her mother, that the obligation of hajj had come upon her but she had not performed the hajj so she said may I perform hajj on her behalf so he said na'am hujji an ummik yes perform the hajj on behalf of your mother <coughs> and just as a side point then the wording of al-Bukhari is that the woman came and she said my mother has made a vow that she would perform the Hajj. But she died, may I perform Hajj on her behalf? So she was told, yes, perform Hajj on behalf of your mother. In a footnote they mention, the Hadith is reported by Al-Bukhari as Hadith 1852, 1852 from a Hadith of Ibn Abbas anhuma. Then Shaykh Al-Fawzan said, so these matters, ad-du'a, supplication, and al-istighfar, seeking forgiveness, and al-sadaqah, giving in charity, and al-hajj, performing the hajj, and al-umrah, performing umrah, they can benefit the deceased person. even when they are performed by somebody else. So therefore they are exceptions to the ayah. The ayah that we had before from Surah Najm, the 53rd Surah, Ayah 39. With the explanation, and a person will not receive reward except for his own deeds. In other words, Sheikh Al-Fawzan is mentioning, the ayah is the general rule and the general principle, except where there's an authentic exception. That show where, where there's a case, authentic, that a certain action can benefit someone deceased. And he's given the examples, which are authentic, supplication, seeking forgiveness, giving in charity, performing hajj, and performing umrah. And again, as an as an extra point, a side point, with regard to the performing of Umrah, if someone asked what's a, a direct evidence for performing Umrah on someone, someone else's behalf, then that was the reference I started to quote before. Reported by Abu Dawood, as hadith 1810, from a hadith of Abu Razin, a man of Banu Amir, radiallahu, that he said, O Messenger of Allah, my father is an old man, he is not able to perform Hajj or Umrah and is not able to ride. 
So he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, Uhjuj anhu wa'atamir. Perform hajj on his behalf and perform the umrah. Declared sahih, authentic by Shaykh al-Albani. And as a further extra point, then in Shaykh al-Albani, rahimahullah's book, Ahkam al-Jana'is, his book of funeral regulations, he mentions a whole chapter of affairs that the deceased can benefit from. A chapter, ma yuntafa'u bihil mayyit. Those things which a deceased person can benefit from. So we'll just mention them briefly. Of the Sheikh Albani, he brings each point and he brings a lot of evidences for each point. We'll just mention though in brief what they are. Those things that the deceased person can benefit from, from the actions of others. So he mentions five things that, is, that a deceased person can benefit from, from the actions of someone other than himself. He said, firstly, a Muslim making dua, making supplication for him. Secondly, a relative or one in charge of the person's affairs. Fasting, a fast which he vowed to perform. The deceased person, in his lifetime, he had vowed to make a fast. He had vowed to do a fast, made another, a vow that he would do a certain fast, but he died before he did it. Then a close relative or someone in charge of his affairs, they can do that fast on his behalf. Thirdly, someone, whoever it may be, paying off a debt on his behalf. And Shaykh al-Albani made the point, not, it can be any of the Muslims paying off his debt. It doesn't have to be just a relative, it can be anyone who's willing to pay off his debt for him. And the fourth matter, he said, that which a righteous child does from righteous actions. And he gave, just, he gave some examples. He said, char- like charity, or fasting, or freeing slaves, and so on. And then the fifth and the last matter that Shaykh al-Albani mentions, that the deceased can benefit from, is that which he left behind with regard to righteous traces, and, continu- and continuing charities. So those are the five things that Shaykh al-Albani mentioned that the deceased continue to benefit from. Then Shaykh al-Fawzan, so Shaykh al-Fawzan has answered that the first, first of all there is a group of people who say that no one can benefit from any, right, any deeds of, done by someone else. And of course he just refuted that by saying there are, there are certain things in evidence, authentic, where a person can benefit from the actions of someone else. And that's what we just heard. And then he finishes by saying, mentioning a group opposite to them. He said, And one group went beyond the limits in this and said, The deceased 
can benefit from all the actions of others. This is opposite saying to the, to the first people of knowledge, those who say that a dead, a dead person can't benefit from any actions of another person. He said then a group of people, they go to the opposite extreme, and they say the deceased, they can benefit from all actions of others. He said, and so therefore they hire people to recite the Qur'an for the deceased. And he gave, this is one common example that they do, that the Shaykh gives here. So they hire people on behalf of the dead to recite the Qur'an, hoping that the reward of their recitation will benefit the dead. So the Shaykh said, then the like of this action will not benefit the dead and nor the living. Because the reciter took wages for his recitation. So there is no reward for him. And from a second angle, this matter is something innovated. There is no evidence for it. And subhanallah, how free is Allah from all imperfections. If only the wages which were given to the reciter had instead been given away as charity. On behalf of the dece deceased, then the person would have been following the sunnah and it would benefit the deceased. But as for its being done in the manner of innovation, then it will not benefit the deceased nor the living. This is the result of abandoning the sunnah. So in other words, Shaykh al-Fawzan made clear that this saying of this extreme saying is likewise incorrect. The dead can benefit from all actions of the living, even innovative actions and that which there's no evidence for. This is clearly wrong. And that's where this point ends. And the next point, there's a long explanation to it, so we'll leave that till next time. But just before finishing, then Sheikh Muhammad, or rather, yeah, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Aziz ibn Mani, he makes a point here. Rahimahullah, he said, with regard to the saying of At-Tahawi, Rahimahullah, and the supplication of the living, and their giving in charity, contains benefit for the, de for the dead. Sheikh Ibn Umani, Rahimahullah, he said, meaning that the living people, they are the ones who make supplication, make dua, for the dead. And they ask Allah that he shows mercy to them and forgives them. Whereas the worshippers of the dead, they have turned this upside down. So they call upon them. I mean, this, this first point is correct, that the living, living Muslims make dua to Allah, that he forgive the, deceased, the dead Muslims and have mercy upon them. This is correct. 
But those who worship the dead, he said, have turned this the upside down. He said, so, so they call upon them. They call, make dua to the dead. Along with Allah. And instead of Allah. And their calling upon them is shirk. Major shirk. Along with the fact that they cannot hear their supplication. The dead cannot hear the supplication of the living. And they cannot respond with anything for them. Allah the Most High said, إِن تَدْعُوهُمْ لَا يَسْمَعُوا دُعَاءَكُمْ وَلَوْ سَمِعُوا مَا اسْتَجَابُوا لَكُمْ وَيَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ يَكْفُرُونَ بِشِرْكِكُمْ Surah Fatir, the 35th Surah, Ayah 14. With the explanation, if you call upon them, if you call upon the, de upon the dead, they cannot hear your supplication. And even if they heard, they could not respond to you. And on the day of resurrection, they will reject your shirk. Shaykh Ibn Uman, it said, so this supplication, the supplication of the living to the dead, is called shirk. And the worshippers of the graves claim that the dead draw them closer to Allah. <coughs> That's where he ends his point. And finally, something which Shaykh al-Albani mentions, mentions a small point as well. Shaykh al-Albani, rahimahullah, said, the explainer, I mean Ibn Abul Iz, rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentioned that there is agreement of the people of the Sunnah upon this. And he mentioned there's agreement of the people of the Sunnah that the living people making dua and giving in charity can benefit the dead. He said, and then he mentioned the evidences from the book and the sunnah upon that. However, with regard to the matter of giving in charity, he only mentioned that which could be a proof for the benefiting of a parent from the charity given by their child. And that is more particular than his claim, as will not be hidden. And I have explained that elsewhere in my book, Ahkamul Janaiz. In other words, Shaykh al-Albani, he makes the point that as for giving in charity, then the evidence only supports the fact that a parent is benefited from a ch their child giving in charity on their behalf. That the evidence doesn't support it being something general, that any Muslim can give charity on behalf of any other Muslim. That's not supported by the evidence. Wallahu alam, walhamdulillah, wa sallallahu ala Muhammad. With regard to the questions, then there's a question can, can a person read the Quran for their mother or their father? Then, as we saw, in the people of knowledge, they mention, as for a child, then the righteous action, actions of a child, they benefit the parent. If the parent was righteous and they brought their children up, and then the parents die, then the parents will benefit from the righteous actions which their children do. Whether it be reading the Quran, whether it be praying, whether it be fasting, whether it be giving in charity, whether it be performing hajj, then the parents will benefit from that.
because they the ayah, which is a general principle, includes that. A person will not receive reward except for his own striving, his own deeds. And as, a, as occurs in the narration that we heard, the children are from the person's striving. They are from his. They are a part of his striving. So that's why the people of knowledge mention that the parent, the deceased parent, will benefit from the righteous actions of their child. And likewise, the hadith that we, we heard to begin with, that when the when a person dies, his actions are cut off, except for three: a continuing charity, or knowledge from which benefit is derived or a righteous child making supplication for him. And as we mentioned, there's some other people of knowledge, they say making supplication is mentioned as an example, not as a restriction. It's made as an example, and as an encouragement that the child should make supplication for their parents. However, it's not the only action from the child that will benefit the parents. Rather, all their good deeds will benefit the parents. Allahu Likewise, with regard to the question, will the parents be punished for the evil actions of a child due to a bad upbringing? Then no doubt, some of the people of knowledge as well, they mention, as for the evil actions which a child does, which are not the responsibility of the parent, then the parent is not accountable for that. If the child from his own, out, out of, from his own evil whisperings, he does evil, then the parents are not responsible. As for if they're if they're the cause of that, then that's that's something else. Wallahu If they bring you up upon evil, then that's something different. Then they're responsible for what they've done wrong. Wallahu ala. a long time ago it's just a point that with regard to a person fasting on someone else's behalf then the people on knowledge differ about whether whether fast with regard to the fasting some people say some people from the people of knowledge say that as for a child then the child can fast on behalf of a deceased parent I mean optional fast you can fast an optional fast on their behalf but some of the people of knowledge they mention this is not a, uh, this is not a, without restriction. Rather, what is correct, and that's the view that Sheikh Al Albani took, Rahimahullah, that what is correct is that the fast which a person can do on behalf of the deceased is just the fast of a vow. If the deceased person made a vow that they would fast, and they didn't fulfill it, then they can the living can perform the child can perform that fast on their behalf. As for other fasts, then no. This is not, and the, the reason being, that's not found in evidence. All that's found in authentic evidence is performing a fast which was because of a vow. Wallahu alam.
And as for other fasts, for example, if the person missed, missed fasts because of illness and then they, they died, then the, what you do in that, in that case, you, f you feed a poor person on their behalf for each day. Wallahu a'lam. With regard to actions of a child, <coughs> the actions of a child, they benefit the parent. That the child himself, obviously when the child <coughs> prays, prays for example, he's, he's intending to pray for the sake of Allah only. He's not intending, I'm praying on behalf of my parents. Or, no, he's the child intends to pray for Allah's sake. But however, because the parents brought him up upon good, they encouraged him upon that, they're a reason for the child coming about, then they'll, they'll gain reward for that. There's no need that he makes a sp some sep separate intention. I'm, I'm, I'm intending by this act. No, that's not needed. They'll, the parents will benefit from his good deeds. Wallahu a'lam. As for the name, Shubruma, it was a person's name. As for meaning, it was the, it's the name. The person was called, as I said, as he was a brother of mine or a close relative of mine. As for the meaning of Shubruma, no idea. Yeah, it's a yeah, name of a person. With regard to the responsibility of the parent, with regard to his telling the child to pray, and as occurs in the hadith in reported by Abu Dawud and others, authentic <coughs> authenticated by Sheikh al-Albani, in the hadith mentioned, that command your children to pray when they are, when they are at the age of seven, and beat them for it at the age of ten. And separate between them in the beds. And at that age, the age of 10, they separate between <coughs> boys and girls at that age, age of 10. So that hadith lays down that at the age of 7, they're commanded to pray. Even though it's not an obligation upon them, but they're commanded with it. And it's a duty upon the parents to command them with it. And then if by the age of 10 they're not, they're not praying, then they, they're to be beaten, beaten to, to make sure they pray if, they, if they're not praying. And then, when the child reaches puberty, then the child is an adult. So beyond that, obviously the child is, you know, at the t when he's an adult, he's responsible for his own deeds at that, that age. <coughs> 